Hi, everyone. Amanda Vining here, and you are listening to Planet Vining. If you like what you hear, please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. My normal drops, as you know, are either dailies, which are short, punchy thought leadership sitting between 5 and 15 minutes, or they are long interview series that range from 45 minutes to an hour. Today is a unique drop. It's a webinar that I recorded a couple weeks back to a group of hundreds of prospective clients as well as existing customers, where I talked to them about how to own a room virtually and really sell through a pandemic with empathy and unique sales approaches. It combines a lot of theories that I'll continue to talk about in the series that I've come to in years of selling. And it also shows you behind the curtain how I actually talk to an external audience. It's one thing to tell you how I talk to an external audience, and it's another thing to show you. I hope that this will be helpful for many of you and you can start thinking about some of the themes that I'll then pull into short, more punchy episodes in the near future. I will make sure that this link is available within our YouTube and also available on my LinkedIn for those who want to see the visual that goes along with this presentation. And I certainly give a big thank you to Alex Campione who navigated this for us. So thanks very much. And And I will talk to you all soon. Hey there, everybody, and welcome. Welcome. My name is Alex Campione, and I am the Director of Sales Enablement here at Corporate Traveler. I am so happy that you all have joined us today for what should be a really powerful discussion led by our president and former VP of Sales, Amanda Vining. Um, Just a couple of housekeeping items really quickly. Um, There will be a Q&A at the end. But if you have questions throughout the presentation, just add them to the chat box and we'll make sure that Amanda gets those. Uh, This presentation will also be recorded and delivered within 24 to 48 hours, so don't worry about that. And all right, before we kick off, I did want to go over a few notes just to introduce Amanda properly. Um, She has been with our business since 2007, initially starting her career first as a business development manager for our SME Boston office. Um, She became the top 5% globally ranked in sales for several consecutive years, and it really helped that she had maintained a close ratio of 75% or greater um, for five consecutive years. So pretty outstanding there. Um, Recently, in the past three years, Amanda has been leading our SME corporate band for Flight Center Travel Group America, uh, which has really experienced explosive growth over the past two financial years under her watch. I couldn't be more excited to kick off our webinar series here today uh, with Amanda. So without further ado, I will go ahead and pass it on over to you, A.V. So thank you, Alex, for handing that over to me. Really appreciate it and certainly appreciate those words around my background. As Alex just described, what I had always done uh, was lead a large sales team. So I did that for a really long time, about a decade. And in the last few years, I've transitioned into this seat now where often I'm the one who has someone selling to them or potentially the one who's signing off on a contract. So I like to think that gives me a bit of a unique perspective and one that I wanted to share with all of you. Before I get going, I do want to say I'm absolutely humbled by the amount of people that have engaged in this. There is a very uh, big scale of people, of everyone who's probably thinking about dabbling in sales or dipping their toe in, as well as some really senior people who could probably teach me a thing or two, and I hope that you will at the end of this. But the reason why is simply that I want to start building a bit of a sense of community around us because we're all in a scenario where we're going to have to think about how we sustain and how we grow through this, but times have certainly changed. 
one of the statistics that had come so much to the forefront for me and why what we're doing today is so important is simply in that in Zoom, you think about the daily users in December of 2019, just a few months ago, was 10 million a day. We are now looking at 200 million users a day that are speaking over a virtual environment and trying to captivate an audience. So I thought, given my background, I could share with you some of the tips and tricks that I use and I hope that you'll be able to take something from. So getting right in here, times are certainly weird. Uh, we are all adjusting to being at our home remote offices. Many of you are probably like me, an extreme extrovert, where being at home is a unique and a challenge. We are also dealing with new coworkers, as I say. So my new coworkers are my husband, Brian, and our daughter, Delilah, who's pictured here, all three being extroverts trying to find our space. And very quickly, I'm realizing how much this pandemic is having unique qualities come out in each of us. So I think that there's probably two different types of people that are going on in the world. So there's the one group that can probably really resonate with the Walmart ad that was all tops, no bottoms, meaning that they're selling out of all their tops, but many of us are wearing like party pants on the bottoms, whether they're leggings or pajamas, which is group A that I fall very well into. And then there's group B, which are the people who are working out like crazy and being super healthy and drinking smoothies and taking their vitamins, which is my husband. So it's been fun adjusting to that part of a coworker. And there are other coworker who's been really interesting to get along with is this one right here. So she's at the point where she's talking to herself in the mirror. She is wearing a three-piece suit for no reason other than she's working with mommy and she's no longer going by Delilah and much preferred. Gary the Snail or Pedro Pony from Peppa Pig. So that is my environment and the weird environment I am trying to get through in our business. I'm sure you all have your own, but thought today, figuring out how we do that together is going to be really important. So a lot of the tonality of what I'm going to talk about within this next 30 to 40 minutes is going to be thinking about our EQ versus our IQ. I was always fascinated by these statistics and studies, even when I was studying and when I was in college. I would think about IQ and how a lot of the times the most intelligent people in the world wouldn't necessarily be able to elevate themselves into being in the most senior positions within an organization. And the reason why is that even though they were intelligent, they weren't able to really penetrate the ability to engage with those around them. So as a leader, perhaps they didn't feel is sincere or authentic, or they didn't have the ability to really have others want to follow what they were doing. That really sat in the EQ, right? So that's that emotional ability to be able to resonate with the other person on the other side of the lens of who you're talking to. So for you that are sales professionals or interacting with other people, it's something to think about because you're going to have to realize that you're going to need to penetrate those people emotionally and have them resonate. So I want to teach you some tips and tricks to be able to do that. And very, very simply, the way that I would break this down in a way that I hope that you'll be able to follow it is your IQ is your confidence. You believe in the product or service you sell. You believe in what you do. You believe in the company you work for. So all of that facts and the data and those statistics help you with your IQ and how you're going to present your pitch. Your EQ is how you're going to deliver the message and how you're going to deliver it in this environment so that it's not perceived as tone deaf and it's perceived well. 
So how do you do that, right? It sounds really easy to say that you should do that, but there are a lot of ways that you can really work on and how you can approach every single solitary conversation to ensure that you do. So if I asked all of you listening to fill in the sentence, people buy from people they, you would immediately think in your minds the word like or trust are up here. And that's kind of probably something that's a bit, you know, sales 101, that's what we learn. But how do you get someone to like you? Or how do you get someone to trust you? Especially if you're in this really complex new environment of selling things virtually, right? So I would say that the way that you do that is with integrity and with vulnerability. And vulnerability is probably a bit of a surprise for some, but let me walk you through why I think this way. Integrity is probably more obvious. You can treat an opportunity with integrity by really thinking of what you're going to be offering to that prospective customer or existing customer solves the business need for them. Will it help them on the other side of this to make sure that they're getting through their business missions and goals? And making sure that you're taking the moment of pause to think about every single person that you're presenting to and how today may be impacting them. So I just shared, you know, I'm home with my family, as are most, right? Or are they in an environment where they're in a roommate situation, where there are a few people that are living together and they don't have the space to do their normal work? Are you talking to a C-level whose company just went public and their share price has struggled in the existing state and it has really impacted them financially? Are you talking to someone nearing retirement? And that too has impacted their retirement and perhaps when they can retire because of the economic challenges that we've had given the existing landscape that we're in. Are you talking to a pharma company whose drug trials been delayed, et cetera, et cetera. So if you really think about how is this conversation and how is this gonna make sense for every single persona that is in the room, I think that you can really come with a lot of integrity and respect for your audience. Vulnerability for me is really in being your authentic self. I fundamentally believe that people are intelligent and intuitive and they buy from people they like or people that they trust because they, they get them and they know them and they're okay to be authentic with them. So that's something that you can tell your story or create that virtual icebreaker or be honest if they're asking questions about what's impacting you. But being vulnerable is an opportunity to have that higher close ratio because yeah, there might be 10 or 20% that don't resonate with your personality type and that's okay. But for the other ones, you broke down a really big barrier, which is that they can actually trust you and they feel that they know you. Something that is gonna be so critical to, to all of this is that right now is a time that we need to have less fluff and more transparency. So the very first kind of lesson I wanted to show when we started this was my beginning. I hope that you all noticed that I didn't spend five minutes or two minutes or 30 seconds tone setting the existing landscape that we are in. I am finding that in meeting after meeting after meeting, people feel the need to do that. Guess what? If they are still talking to you right now, given everything going on around us, they don't need you to do that. They're not sick. 
they're not immediately affected in a way that's prohibiting them from having this call. And chances are they're very interested in what you have to say, or they wouldn't take the time out of their already busy schedule while they're making their homes into offices and schools if it wasn't important to them. So be ready to eliminate the fluff and get to that transparent conversation, which is at the heart of what most of your customers or prospective customers are gonna want you to get to. Another tip here that I hope everyone will hear, and it's one that's really been a pet peeve for me, is not using the landscape that we're in to use verbiage like downtime or saying you have more time on your hands. I have had that said to me at least four or five times in the last week, and it, it kind of stings a little because is someone who runs a really large travel management company in the midst of all this, the last thing in the world I have is downtime, right? Not only in having to deal with the different bans that happened and make sure that all of our live transactions are sorted, but thinking about our future and coming up the other side and solidifying relationships. Downtime is the furthest thing from what I have. So I just want you guys to really think about that. Right now, it doesn't feel like downtime to most people and especially to executives. So make sure that you have the right verbiage in how you approach your conversations. This lovely photo is just a quick little example of this in action. Uh, this is a Zoom call with some of our senior leaders globally. So you can see here, this is our CEO who sits in the UK, Chris, and this is our CXO, uh, which is John Morehouse, who oversees all of our experience for our customer set and all brands globally. And I share this with you because I think it kind of talks to the ability to have a virtual icebreaker. So I shared that story of my daughter and my husband rather than talking about level setting what we're going through. I put them up. I did it at their expense. I broke the ice. We break the ice in all sorts of different ways on these calls. So internally, I've seen everything from Tiger King themes to something as simple as allowing our props or background to be our icebreaker. So my microphone right here, everybody makes fun of it. It was a whopping $19 on Amazon. So I'm just like, let me live with my nice vocal quality. But it's an icebreaker. You look at Jomo here who circles and his icebreaker is the fact that he is currently and always hiding out from his four children. So he's got four kids at home looking to hang out with dad stuck in the house. So he hides in his garage or he hides in his basement and the props that he started putting up were really to see if we noticed. So chainsaws, a crossbow, and then last week he added in Where's Waldo, which it makes us laugh and it's an icebreaker. So think about what you could do to break a bit of the ice from the normal monotony that is back to back to back to back to back Zoom calls, which is what a lot of us are experiencing. So as I said, there's a really diverse group of attendees on this call, which I'm absolutely thrilled and honored that so many of you are interested in what I have to say. But I'm gonna start at the basics and then I'm gonna take you a bit deeper. So basics, video on. Most of you are gonna be like, duh, we know that, of course you do. But the statistic I gave you proves that not everyone does. So people went from 10 million, I'm not worried about you on the phone who are in the, the 10 million daily users. I'm worried about the 190 million users that didn't normally interact this way, right? For them, it's so simple to us, but they don't 
think to do it. And it sets such an awkward juxtaposition when you first start if they are not able to have their video on. So just make sure that in every single invite that you're tone setting that and saying, looking forward to catching up with you next week. Obviously, we're living in a world of distractions around us. I'm fully intending on having my video on. Would love if you're able to do so as well. Very simple. Add the sentence in. You want to make sure that you're testing your technology. You want to have it efficient. You don't want to have pauses. You don't want to meet me at the beginning of this call who was on mute. <laughs> you want to make sure that you do the right things and you test your tech. Manage your notifications. This is one that's always a pet peeve of mine where you have the Slack or the uh, workplace or the Outlook constant notifications coming up. They are so simple to mute in your total computer calendar, at least even for just that hour of what you're doing. Make sure that you manage them because they're only going to distract you and throw you off your game. Appoint a driver. Alex, who gave that lovely introduction and who will moderate our questions at the end, is a very comfortable, always driver for me. She's so fantastic. She's stronger than I am when it comes to technology. So I'm always going to want to have her on and have her present so that she can run the tech sides of things. Do a dress rehearsal. If it's a meaningful meeting to you, especially if it's in a new environment, practice, practice, practice. And then last but not least, make sure you know who's coming. So I talked about making sure you're being relevant to whoever is in the room with you and how this may be impacting them, but you wanna make sure you know who's gonna be there. And also don't be surprised if people are looking for you to escalate the timetable in this normal sales environment. It's not gonna be as linear as it normally is because life is not linear right now. And you may end up being surprised by someone more senior or a final decision maker. So you wanna be prepared for that and you wanna be aware that that could happen. I know I just sat on a really, really large presentation where we were all a bit shocked when their CEO randomly just popped in on their video to our call. So something to think about. So this is something I really want to have at the forefront for you all. So. Fact versus fiction. How much do we remember of a 10 minute presentation? There's many studies and statistics that will point to these exact numbers as being the most relevant ones, which is we're gonna remember 50% immediately. A day later, we're gonna have 25% of it. And then only 10% of it is gonna stick with us a week later. Why I share that with you is because I want you guys to think about can you make sure that you only control the narrative to be the most relevant talk points? We are harder to be able to gauge everyone's attention. You think about like video on, it's also paying attention to things like, are they typing? Are they doing the secret move of the phone that's really going right under your camera lens? Are they paying attention to what you have going on? Because only so many of them are going to actually resonate. I also want you guys to think about things like, are they leaning into you? You know when someone is resonating, something as simple as their body language cue. So if someone's sitting back here and your customer base is leaning into you, that's a moment that you probably grabbed, resonated, or that it felt like it mattered to them. So I want you to think about what am I trying to get across? They probably are only doing this with you in the landscape we're in because they really do care and what you have matters. But as sales individuals, sometimes we have 70, 80, 90 slides in our decks and so much to talk about in, for example, a software sales company. But if you're already here and you're already having the conversation, they are interested. So think about what are the three or four consultative points that actually matter to my prospective customer and focus on hitting those. 
because a week from now, they're remembering 10% and you want to make sure that the 10% that they do remember are the ones that are going to be most relevant. So this is where we're going to dive deeper now. And hopefully all of you are certainly still with me. You're going to have an agenda, but it has to be flexible. So that's where I was talking about the fluff and you may be getting other senior people on. We have some of our vendors on the call today. So I know Vidyard's on, Brainchark, a few others, I apologize, um, the ones that didn't come as quickly to mind. But in those instances, I know that if my top people, people I've worked with for a decade, love something, I'm probably going to love it too because I trust them implicitly. So when I'm trying to cut to the chase or change up your agenda, please know it is not because I don't have a tremendous amount of respect for your time. It's simply that I already am probably there. So I'm gonna wanna say, show me it and how much does it cost me, right? So that's at the end there, ready to demo and share pricing. It is that inability to be linear and having to be flexible because you may just get pulled into something where they're probably doing this because it matters to their business and they're probably gonna wanna make a decision about it. The next one is really important as well because it has to do with how we interact and also how we're going to get engagement. So another thing that I really think is important is energy. And I'm finding that there's a lot of tonality where people have to be, they feel that they have to be somber at the beginning of a meeting or maybe even throughout a meeting because it feels like, oh my gosh, am I being tone deaf if I seem happy or optimistic or I smile or if I give energy? Confidence is a transfer of energy. It's me giving my energy to you all through this screen today. So if you aren't giving energy, you're gonna come off as not confident about your product. You do not need to be somber on these calls. So make sure you're giving it your energy. And as far as interaction, there's so many phenomenal things that you can do. And I'm gonna give you a few tips here. So bear with me if this is one of the pieces that you're interested in. The first one I'll say, what pre-work could you potentially give to your prospective customer or customer, or what could you ask them to share? Screen sharing to and from one another keeps you both extremely engaged and means that they're gonna be caring, paying attention, and really making sure that each part of your conversation is relevant to them. Another thing you can do is, at the beginning, obviously when we have hundreds of people on today's call, I'm not gonna say, what would you guys like to get out of today? Because there's not enough time. But if you're doing a smaller meeting with 10 people, 12 people or less, I would absolutely say, I've done my discovery work. I certainly know who you are and can imagine you with your titles and what you do for the organization, why you're interested in today's meeting. But rather than just going around and sharing your name and title, I would love for you to just share what you're hoping to get out of today so that I make sure that I really do respect your time, especially given today's landscape and allow them to do that. And then make sure that in each one of your conversations and your talk points, you pause and you go back to them and you make sure you ask questions. So as an example, in our world, we sell corporate travel management, obviously, and normally we sell to numerous personas. So if I had just talked a whole heck of a lot about service and how we were gonna serve a customer, and I had an executive assistant to a CEO in the room, I would pause and say, let's say for example, her name is Jen, Jen, I just talked to you a lot about our service offering. I wanted to make sure, because I certainly understand and appreciate that the way we interact is gonna mean how you interact with your CEO. How do you feel about what I said? Do you have any questions for me? 
or if I just did a find if a CFO's in the room and I'm talking a whole heck of a lot about cost savings, I'm going to pause and say, I just talked to you about how it would save you money. You're the CFO. You just told me this is one of your largest business expenses. Talk to me about if you feel confident in everything I just described or do I have anything I could clarify for you? But that forcing interaction is actually going to have everybody else on the call a bit on their toes as to whether or not that could happen. Another couple examples here would be if you were doing a client slide uh, slide in your presentation where it's like, these are our existing customers. I get that one a lot. I see that slide a lot. And I always think, okay, I'm trying to quickly skim through who's like me. Ooh, that's a big name. I think a really cool way you could make a presentation interactive virtually would be saying, these are our customers. Why don't you go ahead and pick out a few for me that you'd like to be your reference, right? Vulnerability, integrity, you're only showing ones that are logical and real, there's truth behind it, and there's interaction. And then last but not least, not all of people are extroverts, right? There's lots of introverts. So use the reaction buttons if you're using Zoom for the thumbs up, thumbs down, pause and stop, encourage questions to be chatted in, allow people to kind of take that moment and interact how they're comfortable. Couple other things here, using their same words. I, I believe fundamentally, and there's studies that are already proving that people are kind of having a bad reaction to things like using COVID-19 and pandemic, and they're much more gravitating to other words. So make sure you use the words that your prospective client is using because that's where they're more comfortable. Make sure that if you are going to navigate around a ton of technology, it looks a lot cleaner if you actually paused your screen as opposed to taking everybody on a wild goose chase with you while you're trying to find the relevant information. Objection handling, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about, so probably not enough time in the world to dive in, so I'll stay really simple on it. But you want to encourage objections right now because if they don't ask them and they don't get the answers, as I said, they're only going to remember 10% of this a week from now, then it's going to mean whether or not you make the sale. So ask the questions, welcome the objections, take them in, make sure that you are able to say, Thank you for asking that. I appreciate you asking that question. I love that you asked me that. Great question. Talk to me about why that's more important to you. I'm so glad that we're aligned here. But make sure that you welcome it in that way. Even if it's the hardest objection you could ever want to get, it's okay to respond to that by saying, I'm so glad that you had the bravery to ask me that. So many of our prospective customers have that front of mind, but they don't put it out there. And I'm, I'm so excited to address it right now. If you end up with an objection, which I think a lot of times people don't ask for more and more and more, because they're afraid that they don't know the answer. It's okay to say, that is a really thoughtful question and it requires a thoughtful answer. So I'm going to take that back and I'm going to discuss it with some of my colleagues and I'll be back to you within the next few hours with a, with a response. Is that acceptable? No one is going to be turned off by that. So make sure you certainly welcome those objections. And as I said previously, be ready to demo and share pricing. Be ready to have everything at your fingertips because inevitably, if they are talking to you right now, they are interested and you're not going to follow your same sales pathway. So these are a couple other 
carrots, I hope, will really, really sit with you and you'll take with you and you'll be able to add into your uh, pitch and in your conversations. So I always think about studies and statistics and what resonates for engagement. If I want someone to remember what I'm telling them, how am I going to get them to do that? And what we know from studies and statistics is data and facts are 45% and stories are 55%. But I look at this as what if you can get 100%? How do you get 100%? And I had one of those aha light bulb moments recently. So I was talking to a uh, senior leader of one of our largest and fastest growing and well-known clients that I'm sure many of you would be familiar with. But we were talking to him as a leader in procurement, and, and he was able to say what resonates with him to get a sale is a verifiable customer story. And I had just never really heard it like that before, like verifiable. Okay, so data and statistics are what's backing the ability to actually have that story resonate. But a story is a way to be vulnerable and a story is what someone remembers. I always said people remember stories, not statistics. So I just wanna share an example with you all. So in our world, if we're talking about, um, I was just on a meeting, I apologize, one of my, uh, pop-ups just came up there as, as I say to mute them that one got away with me but as we talk about our cu customer set we were just pitching a really large nonprofit organization and they're talking about how are they coming out of the pandemic and when they do that their existing agency had just let them down really 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 let them down as far as how they were handling their after hours saying we can't deal with this the bandwidth get back to us in a few days so rather than me just saying in that meeting, oh, well, we answered calls within two minutes, even in the worst part of the bands, that may be remembered or maybe not. But instead, I shared this email that had come in from one of our customers. So I'm not going to read the whole thing for it, but I'm just going to go to the end here. Just today, I am starting to get reports that anti-foreigner sediment is on the rise. We are receiving information that foreigners are being targeted in Kenya, South Sudan, and other parts of of the world for bringing this virus. It was the fast action of your teams that have allowed Internews and me to breathe a bit easier today as I hear this, because I know that most of my people are on flights and headed home. In short, you are heroines and heroes. You are dedicated and most importantly, the sacrifice that you have made these last few weeks has saved lives. Yes, you have saved lives. Think about that. Not many people in the world can go home at night, put their heads on their pillows, and know this. Stay safe, stay optimistic about the future, and don't forget to wash your hands every now and then. So that gives me goosebumps when I share that, right? That is something that came in from a customer that I respect tremendously, who is a thought leader in their field of corporate responsibility and duty of care. But I knew if I shared that story from another nonprofit and organization who goes to the same exact regions, who had this experience with after hours, it was gonna resonate a whole heck of a lot more than just giving the data and statistic. So I'll leave with you, really work on your storytelling ability. When you're doing these virtual meetings, people are gonna remember the story. And if you can add data into the story, you have a great chance of 100% of it being remembered. So make sure they're your stories and they matter. The example I gave matters so much to me because that is why I do my job. I love, 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 love about my job that we have this humbling role of getting our clients from A to B, but our clients change the world. 
So inner news changes the world, but also when we're binge watching Netflix, I'm watching shows and we were able to actually be there and did the production for those shows. Or we have clients that are actually creating the vaccine to battle this specific pandemic we're in. It's really, really cool for me. So when I get a message like that, like my whole heart warms up and I know when I tell that story that others can feel that. So my point is have data and have a story, but let it be your story. There's nothing worse than when you hear someone try to rehearse a story they heard someone else do in a pitch, really find a story that resonates with you and resonates with your prospective customer. I wouldn't share this story with a domestic traveling account because it wouldn't be as relevant to them, right? So just make sure you're thinking about all that because it's a great way to show the vulnerability and the integrity that we talked about at the beginning. So going in here to kind of our final slides, I want to take a moment and pause and talk about altruism. So altruism is a very interesting sales tactic, right? Because they're not usually hand in hand being altruistic in your approach, but yet it's trending. So I take a lot of moments and I think about what is resonating right now. And what I'm seeing over and over again. So the new and relevant podcasts on Apple are extremely altruistic. The LinkedIn uh, constant trending posts are altruistic. I know you've all seen them. The posts of the CEO who's saying they no longer can take their salary. The CEO who's saying that they're not going to do layoffs. The company that is saying that they are going to be 50% of all senior management's bonuses are reduced, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So some of them are self-serving and some of them are genuinely altruistic. So what I want to leave with you is that even if you sell a product or a service that actually isn't going to be able to have an immediate benefit in today's world, you could still be altruistic by not selling anything at all. So an example in my world is I started a podcast recently because I wanted to be more connected to my people. We're all virtual. We are normally in office environments. And I knew they wanted to just hear more often and they wanted honesty. So I started it. And I didn't know what I was doing. I bought a $20 microphone on Amazon when I started and I just kind of went for it. So I had someone reach out to me and say, let me help you. I have a podcast. I've run one for years. Can I edit your audio for you? I'll teach you how to cut in music. Let me give you a whole tutorial on this. Complete altruism. Helped me on something I'm passionate about and I'm really loving doing. Made it better sound quality for my people. And we're all better for it. I loved that altruism. I'll, I'll never forget that, right? Didn't sell me anything. Just offered to help me. You look at things right now like, uh, Vidyard, another example, I believe services are still complimentary. Maybe you know how to do that and you're really comfortable. Could you reach out to someone and say, do you want me to teach you? It's complimentary right now. I can show you how it's been effective for me or what talk points really work or what minute people tend to go away or what's been effective. Could I show you? Or another fun one would be like Peloton. Peloton is complimentary for three months, trying to keep us in shape or at home. And I think my husband, who's following Robin, who many of you uh, may also be following, is very dedicated to work out <laughs> watching her videos, right? So why not share what someone you've talked about fitness with before? Hey, uh, did you know that this is complimentary right now? Who are you watching? Could we share some workout tips? Think about how you could have touch points with your clients and touch points with your prospective clients with something that isn't necessarily in it for you. And 
Lastly, as I get into kind of the final bits here, clear next steps. You do not want to close a meeting over a virtual environment with questions. And the reason why I say this is because what's normally going to happen is everyone's just going to start going off the line. There'll be one or two, it ends in awkward silence, and then you miss your opportunity to have a really fantastic close. So I would highly, highly, highly recommend taking a close that is reactive to what's going on around us and make sure that you wrap those questions in a nice tight bow and you're able to actually articulate a close at the end. So as an example, if someone was still having to make a decision, even in this existing landscape, I would want my close to sound something like, I really appreciate the time that all of you took to spend with me today. It is not lost on me that we're in a really unique circumstance. You're at home and you're likely in back-to-back -back virtual meetings. So taking the time out to listen to what I had to see and to see if partnership was logical was appreciated and something that I certainly don't take for granted. I also realize that your unique circumstance is going to mean that you're going to have to make a decision differently than you normally would have. You're thinking if this makes sense to your business financially. You're also thinking about coming together and collaborating on how you want to move forward while virtual, which I imagine this being one of your largest expenses typically would have been many in-person meetings and with lots of thought. As such, I know that you're going to do it its justice and you're going to explore other options and you're going to have more conversations, but I hope if something came up that we didn't talk about or you want to know more of, or you could even use the statistic I gave earlier and say 10% of this is going to work, resonate a week from now, please come back to me. I'm here, I'm available, and I'd love nothing more than to walk into this partnership together on the other side of this. Right. So you just want to make sure you close it and you actually give yourself that opportunity rather than just using questions. And then last but certainly not least, this is how you can reach me if you found today effective. As I referenced, I do have a podcast. So if you want to download it, you like my sales tips, I drop them all the time. So feel free to go in there. I'd love to hear from you with what did resonate immediately. So if you wouldn't mind shooting over an email and maybe giving, you know, a top three to five things that you got out of today. If you didn't get anything out of today and you felt that it was a massive waste of time, you can tell me that too. I can take constructive criticism well, but I'd love to know more about how we do this together and how we build more of a sense of community together and how we can encourage each other through these hard times and, and bring a little bit of light. And last but certainly not least, there's my little one actively vidyarding and on Zooms and sending her teachers messages about how much she misses them and hopes that they're staying safe. So at four, she's not afraid to be her innate authentic self and she's not afraid to test new tech and she's not afraid to still go for the sale or go for the energy. So I wish that for all of you as well. And I sincerely appreciate everyone's time and going through this with me today. So now I will kick it over to Alex for any questions. Awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, Amanda, great job. Great talk there. I did get a few questions. So I think we have about 10 minutes left. We'll make sure to give everybody a couple minutes back in their day. Um, but one of the questions that came through was around the topic of commenting on the current downturn and current circumstances. So they said, if it's not a good idea to comment or dwell on that, what is a good example of how you would kick off your Zoom meeting in this kind of current environment? 
Yeah, so I think that um, I tried to show it a little bit with a virtual icebreaker. So I said it as times are weird. Uh, we're home with our families and in our home offices and we're establishing new coworkers. So that was one way I would do it. I would even use it to kind of say, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, given the landscape that we're all operating within. I imagine that you're quite busy and back to back. Why is this meeting important to you today? Because rather than me going through a 40 minute presentation about everything that I hope that you may wanna hear, I just would love if you could give me that expectation or what you'd wanna go through before we start off. You could basically flip it on its head and have them tell you why it's important to them. Or again, use a virtual icebreaker like coworkers, your kids, something funny. Um, people are looking for light and humor. And I think that the way that people do it really well is when they're doing that. Another thing that if you're uncomfortable, you can do is go and take some great advice from the many trending CEO uh, outreach videos. I know one of the ones that I saw was from Marriott Hotels. Their CEO is up there and he's talking about how much he this is the hardest thing their business has gone through while simultaneously have battling cancer and and having um you know no hair for the first time and it's like but this is more important but the message really resonated when i watched it it gave me goosebumps so i would also say like find inspiration from others around us that are really nailing how they open those moments yeah definitely and that is such a powerful video from marriott um, okay, great. So another question that we have with just about five minutes left is, I feel like a lot of my open opportunities have stalled in the past month. I'm cautious of being insensitive or being too pushy. What would you do to get a deal to pick back up? Or what could I do in you know, the eyes of someone in your position to get a deal back going? Yeah, you know, I think that sometimes when I was in sales, I would always be afraid of what I was going to say was going to turn off a prospective client and was actually going to be whether or not they came on board. And now that I haven't been in sales for a few years, I can tell you wholeheartedly, nothing you're going to say or email me about is going to mean whether or not I think that that technology is going to be an asset to our business or if we're going to want to pay for it in the current landscape. It's not going to be your email that makes or breaks that decision for me, right? So I would say that even cracking it open that bluntly and honestly and saying, hey, obviously, like many customers, things have gone a bit silent in the last month or so. I can imagine with everything going on, this is not necessarily front of mind, but I also want to make sure that we're gearing up so that when there is another side of this, that we do have a plan in place and get the work done on my side. Is it logical for us to have a quick 10-minute touch base where we could just be on the right pathway together for what the future should look like? And, and ask honestly. And I always think like, as far as timing, wouldn't you rather know? You might end up forcing the issue where they say, hey, we're going through budget cuts. We just had to unfortunately do a layoff at our business. Your service is not now front of mind. I'm gonna instead be looking at this in three months time, follow up with me then. You're not really changing the narrative. You're just getting your answer sooner than later. So I think we as salespeople need to take that stress kind of out of it because our customer base is going through radical transformation and you need to see if what you're selling them fits into that transformation or not. Most businesses are growing and needing to grow through this. So I would basically say, tackle it head on. I have no reservation of someone saying this to me right now, is this still something you wanna pursue? And I will give them my honest answer. So I think the less 
walking on tiptoes or eggshells around it, the better. It's that less fluff, more transparency. Definitely. Okay, I think we have time for, for one more. So somebody has asked for any recommendations on how to improve their storytelling ability or how to work that into their pitch better, any improvements that you would make there? I absolutely love that question. And there's so many great things you could do and you could research how to be a great storyteller, how to create a spark line, how to make sure there's a true beginning, middle and end and the middle has a buildup. You could go and research for days about how to be a great storyteller. But what I would say is think about why you love your job. Think about what makes it resonate for you and why you do what you do and what makes you feel good about it and create stories of moments that have happened for you and what you enjoy most and they will become very authentic because they re they're real. So do that and just think about the relevance to who you're talking to and what might resonate with them. People typically work for companies because they're passionate about what they do and there's so much that you can relate to in their mission. So if they're a company that does a run every year that is for a rare disease, that's going to be passionate. What similar stories have happened in your career or with another company or a path that, are, that you could relate to that? Or is it that they're you know, going to IPO and they're gearing up to that and you can share a story there? So I'd say think about the people in the room and what they're probably passionate about and couple that with your passion and there's your perfect story. And practice it. Make sure it's authentic. You know, I'm grateful, Alex, for you and for strategy and for our heads of sales and account management and all our lovely team around us that will tell me openly and we can practice and you'll say whether or not a point resonates or gets lost. So if you're trying to become a better storyteller, test the people that are around you that know your product and service and will tell you the truth and work on it and work on it until you get it right. And then just make sure you really nail it and you don't allow it to become a ramble. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, Amanda, for that awesome presentation. And thanks to everybody for joining us today. Um, we have quite a few of you. So thank you all so much for taking the time out of your day. Um, we will be sending out the deck. I know that was one of the questions that came through to see the deck, as well as the recording as a follow up. Um, but you know, until then, stay healthy and stay well. And we'll talk to you all very soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.